Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and a very warm welcome uh, from our Barangaroo studios. This is the call 10 stocks picked by you. Two experts, one hour. It is the 25th of January. I'm David Kosh and uh, terrific to welcome our two experts on today's show here for the full hour. Joining me in the studio is James Rosenberg from Bayviews. James, good to see you again. Thank you, David. Uh, Come on, hold up the Kansas City (laughs) Chiefs. Uh, Guernsey going for them there. <laughs> Run it uh, back. Yeah, yeah. That'll be, uh, uh, what is it, conference finals this it weekend, is. isn't yep. it? To go right to the Super Bowl. Right to go to the Super Bowl in a fortnight. Yeah, okay. And That's fantastic. Of course, some tears for Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, let's hope so. And Conrad Song from uh, Macro Capital joins us. Conrad, Thanks you're an NFL fan? Uh, no, I can't, can't say I am, unfortunately. Yeah, no. yeah. Well, <laughs> my, my parents, when I was a lot younger, they lived in San Francisco for a number of years and um, their first year there the Oakland Raiders won the uh, Super Bowl and then it was the Joe Montana era for the uh, for the 49ers so I love the game it's terrific I'm a soccer yeah I'm a a big soccer soccer. (laughs) excellent all right okay let's get stuck into it and of course before we uh, chat about your 10 stocks that you've suggested we take a look at I choose one the stock of the day thought we'd take a look at Ampol completing a $300 million off-market share buyback, looking to lock in a $24.33 buyback price to be treated as a fully frank dividend pending ATO approval. Uh, James Ampol, what do you think of the, the buyback and also for investors? Buyback makes sense and um, was widely expected by the market. It's a great thing for retail investors in a super fund because you get the boost of franking credits. Yeah. Um, as an investment, it's not one that I really like. The earnings are so volatile, mainly because of refining margins. Yeah. Um, they're on paper-thin margins for the business. It's just, and it's hardly a bargain. So right. I'm not negative on it. I'm just, yeah. it's just not a company that really uh, pops up on my radar. Yeah, and it, it seems to be going in a bit of a sideways it is. It's very leveraged to the economy and yeah. um, with more people returning to work, the demand for fuel increases, um, there's been a big boost, well, okay, a relative big boost but still quite yeah. small in domestic aviation, yeah. um, which is a big part of their business. And in time that will revert to normal, we don't know what time right. that is, yeah. um, and international as well. So yeah, there's some positives there. But it's just not a business that has the predictability of earnings that um, okay. that I like to see. All right, Conrad. Um, yeah, so the buyback three hundred million. It was oversubscribed by eighty nine percent. I scaled yeah, back. Heavily. Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. obviously there's demand there. Uh, it was fourteen percent discount. Um, we did see a, a slight pullback in the share price. That's more so the difference between the tax market value and the share price yeah. at the time. So investors yeah. really, I think, if you take a look at an announcement they came out with on their earnings. Obviously, the, the whole oil industry uh, has been heavily impacted by COVID, but if you sort of take a look at 
uh, Ampore specifically. Um, I mean, they beat uh, earnings by 20 million. Um, still a loss at 145 million. So mm. it's, again, it's just a systematic risk that the oil industry is facing. Um, but again, so I guess to sort of agree um, as well, I think it's just not a buy, it's not a sell, it's just a hold really. Um, and um, but yeah, the, the oversubscription is a good sign. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, so nothing startling no, uh, in terms yeah. of Ampol. Other places. Um, Conrad, uh, would Northern Star Resources be one of those other places? Uh, a big gold producer both here in Australia and overseas, saying pretty good share price rise over the last yeah. year and five years. Good, what, 15% annual return yes. on well, that's right. So gold's a big play right now. Um, before we go into that, I mean, if you take a look at sort of where the business is, they've, um, well, they're looking at the merger with Saracen. Yep. Um, that'll make them one of the biggest gold uh, miners in the world. Um, it'll be the first time in over a century where um, you have one owner for the Kalgoorlie Golden Mile, which is a high grade gold field. Um, and so if we sort of focus on the gold thematic, you know, gold prices are here to stay, I think. Um, they're elevated due to low interest rates. Um, the low US dollar due to stimulus, hopefully that gets passed through, right? Um, and it's still an attractive hedge. And so the gold play is still very much, I think, um, you know, in play here. Um, we do note that the NPAT was a little bit weaker last quarter um, in December. Uh, also, their production wasn't that high. Um, one of their mines, Pogo Mine, was, um, although having higher grade um, sort of gold, um, their development in that mine was impacted by over 100 cases. Um, so I think investors should just take a look at sort of when the merge is going to be announced or, or finalized. On the 2nd of February is when they go through the whole court process to make sure it's all legal and all fine. And on the 3rd, if that goes through, that'll go through. So that's something to, to sort of okay. look out for you. Is the merged group? Yeah of greater value than the two of them separately? Well, so they've got a target of two million ounces that they want to produce. Uh, if they merge, they'll be straight away at 1.6 million ounces. Right. So they're very much on track to be um, sort of hitting their targets. And, you know, again, with that sort of thematic of gold being so powerful right now, anything like that is a good, a good sign. So, yeah. Okay. James, what do you think of Northern Star? really admire what they've done. It's absolutely extraordinary. When you, when you think of the exploration part of the business, exploration's been a net negative return in Australia forever, basically. Yep. More money's been spent exploring um, than has been taken out of the ground. These guys do it phenomenally well, and they've been quite innovative in bringing techniques from other industries, the oil industry, for example, into um, some of their uh, uh, geological studies. So they've been very successful. They've run a really, really clean business. And they've always said they run it as a business first and a gold miner second, which I love. Mm, I just yeah. don't like the sector. Right. Um, if I had to own any company in the sector, this is the only name I would own. Ah. Um, but I don't have to, so I don't. Okay. <laughs> All right. So if it goes through the merger, does that I think change it, I mind? think it'd be quite good. As Conrad said, you know, it'd be quite good. It gives them a lot of, of scale. There's some significant costs they can have. They can use right. some of their expertise in, um, in, uh, across Saracen. The resource stocks have been notorious about doing terrible deals. Terrible during deals. During, <laughs> during boom times. <laughs> I, is I, this a terrible deal look, or is this I, a good I one? I don't think it is. Time right. will tell, of course, but you're absolutely right. And it's one of the reasons I don't like resource stocks. Yeah. And I suspect if you go into BHP's boardroom, there's wonderful oil paintings of all the chairman going back through time yeah. and a picture of the Rio board because yeah. the only company in Australia that's a worst allocator of capital than BHP is Rio. <laughs> uh, no, they're dreadful. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. 
a lot of it's I'm getting off the topic of Northern Star, but oh. a lot of it's changed with their change of dividend policy. I'm talking about the majors, the Rios sure. and BHPs, where they had that stupid progressive dividend policy, which meant they paid out a derisory uh, dividend when times were booming. They're left with all this cash. What do we go and do with it? Yeah. We go and buy something at the top of the market. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. And then write it down years later yeah, when yeah. things are, are tough. So they're not, it's not an but industry that, that, that broadly. Really, apart from this one, that hasn't happened. This boom time, no, it that, at all, and, and which has been good. I the think a large part of it is. Have been in well, I think there's two reasons. I, I, I think the uh, the CEO of BHP is a hell of a lot more focused. Number yeah. one and number two is the change dividend policy. Roughly a decade ago, yep. um, has has caused that, and and you know all power to them, but um, it just for those reasons, and they're capital intensive, and they're yeah. you know volatile by nature, and all sorts of things, and and some other reasons out in the future. I'd, I don't like the right. sector. It's interesting, uh, we're going to talk about Emico later, which is yes. um, a, a supplier to the industry, and we'll mm. talk about that later. Yeah, rental um, rental machinery and trucks and things like that. So, a no, Conrad, have you got a yes or a no? Yeah, on um, I, I, I think it's a hold for us at this a stage. Hold. Yeah, okay. All right. I wouldn't put Emerging. it down as a no. I would put. Oh, <laughs> down you said no. I would put it down as if you want to own a gold company, mm. buy this one. Yeah. Right. Um, if you. But you don't like gold companies. But I don't like gold companies. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't buy it. If, if, if a client rang me and said, I have to own a gold company, that's the one I'd buy. Well, yeah. Right, okay. All right. Makes sense. Um, Conrad, um, so Nick, thank you for uh, sending in that, that suggestion on Northern Star Resources. Uh, Conrad will want to view on the Reject Shop, mm -hmm. the, um, the big discount variety retailer that... Yeah. You love going into reject shops. Yeah, yeah. You? It's a bit like Bunnings. You see yeah. things that you never thought you needed. <laughs> yeah, if you were ever a uni student um, eating two-minute noodles, you'd go to the reject shop after and buy that. Um, yeah, um, so they, so this is interesting. So they've got, um, obviously COVID's been really good for them. Uh, as a result, their cash balance is quite strong. Um, they're looking at 92 million versus 6.8 they had last year. Um, good operating cash flows, MPAT. Um, is up at 2.7 million um, versus a loss of 16.9 million in the previous um, period. So um, again, obviously have done quite well. Uh, I think you want to sort of look out for the normalization of consumer spending as we do move into this recovery phase of COVID. But this is the thing. So they've done quite well. They've had all this opportunity and we feel as though the strategy of management hasn't been uh, too strong uh, in the sense that they could have been a little bit more aggressive, we think, in expanding. Um, you, you know, new stores were quite low. Um, for them, the capex was quite low for last year. Being conservative is one thing, but you're not in the flights industry. Yep. Um, you've had high vacancy rates in shopping centers. You've had low interest rate environments. Why not pick up some more stores and grow? They've also, I, I think, missed the opportunity, this is our opinion, to away, diversify away um, from, um, sort of, they've got traditionally strong products. Um, party, seasonal products like Easter, um, uh, travel, right? Mm -hmm. uh, these are all products that usually do well and they haven't diversified away from that as strongly as we would have liked them to do, naturally considering the environment. Um, so for us, it's like you've, you've had all this cash, you've got it all, got, they've even talked potentially looking to cut the dividend or foregoing the dividend. Um, we just think uh, it's, it's a so conservative. You can see the share price. It's been, it's been pretty lackluster over the last you know, three, four years. Um, and maybe it's, maybe it's because they're just not taking advantage of once-in-a-lifetime opportunities yeah. like, like this pandemic. And it's been, they've been shown up 
by some really great retailers. That's right. In the last twelve months. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, yeah, we had you know the, again the normalisation of the consumer behaviour. November was good. It was seven point one percent increase in retail spending, and then December sucked. Yeah. Um, and so, if they're not looking to grow and take advantage of this decline, yeah. well, yeah. Okay. So you are now on rejection. No one lighten on rejection. Yep. So a common note as well. The company's been just a serial underperformer. Um, talking about their management being conservative, possibly because they've been burnt from so many bad yeah. decisions over close to a decade. Right. Um, the notes that I've read is that, that written is they're one of the retailers who are defying the boom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Paper thin margins, um, 350 odd stores that buy mainly sort of end of run products and buy them for nothing, sell them for not a hell of a lot more. Um, there's yeah. so many good companies you can buy. So Why yeah. buy a second rate? Yeah, one? yeah. And that chart there, Conrad, sort of reinforces yeah. sort of your view. It's done nothing for three mm. or four years. Mm. Particularly if you put it overlay it with a JB Hi-Fi. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. Or um, any, Nick Scarley's or anyone, yep. any of the retailers, their premier investments. Um, it's disappointing. And if, if you can't perform in this market, mm. retail market, gee. Um, all right, so uh, will a no from both uh, James and Conrad there on the reject shop. Um, James, Tammy wants a view on the iShares Asia 50 ETF. Now this is a, um, a fun looking at company, 50 companies from Hong Kong, Singapore, South Korea, Taiwan markets, um, as represented by the Standard & Poor's Asia 50 index. It's managed by BlackRock Fund Advisors. Tammy, if you want to get an exposure to Asia, um, you're buying the best companies in Asia through an ETF. Um, it is um, the, it tracks the top 50 companies, yep. uh, names like Tencent, Taiwan Semiconductor, Samsung, and so forth. Uh, some wonderful, wonderful companies, an area that is going to continue to boom um, more than probably anywhere else in the world over the next, yep. you know, our lifetimes and beyond. Uh, the only caution I would have is that many of those names are on pretty big multiples. Yep. So, you know, you're, you're paying up mm. and market's going to be volatile. Yeah. Uh, but if you were buying something for the long term and want to have exposure to an area of significant growth, I think between now and 2030, there's going to be something like $30 trillion uh, spent in retail but by consumers uh, yep. over the next decade yep. and something like 27 trillion of that is going to be in Asia. Wow. Um, great place to have an exposure. Yeah. Is is this a good ETF? Yeah, it's as good as, as any of them. Okay. All right. Um, Conrad, you look at that chart. Mm. Uh, it's at record highs at the moment and uh, pushed up by the interest in uh, in those tech stocks, the 10 cents, the Alibaba's. Good to see Jack Ma mm. reappear last <laughs> week. Up. Uh, it's been it. Had <laughs> some for a while. Mm. Um, uh, no explanation why, but uh, um, what do you think of this particular ETF? First of all, the thematic of, mm. of Asia Top 50, main, mainly tech, and also this is an ETF. Yeah, um, we like it, and that's not because of my Korean her heritage. <laughs> um, so we, so if you break down to the focus, um, China takes up for more than a third of this ETF. Right. Um, so let's take a look at China firstly. Um, they've had, they were, so they were the only major economy uh, that didn't experience a contraction in 2020, right? Yep. Even though that's where it all kind of started, right? Um, but we um, obviously have Biden coming out and you know the tensions between the US 
Australia, uh, US, China, and Australia. So I had a coffee with um, the former ambassador of Australia not too long ago um, to Chile, Yugoslavia, and uh, former Yugoslavia and UAE. And we kind of spoke about the whole Chinese tensions. Yeah. And um, takeaway is it's really complicated. Um, and it's not as simple as, oh, you know, the reputations. And it's very complicated to unwind. But Biden is, um, it, he hasn't sort of shown direct sign that he's going to thaw these tensions. That being said, you'd sort of be hard done to do any you know, more intense work than Trump did, right? It'd be pretty impressive if he managed to make it more intense. But um, on, well, I reckon we were more intense well, against China than than the US stupidly potentially or naively. Yeah, well, that was actually one of the conversations that we were discussing. But um, I, I think if you look at, obviously Chinese Hong Kong companies are gonna become more attractive uh, as yeah. a result of this. Um, and, and then again, sort of to look at the underlying constituents of so Tencent, um, Samsung and the semiconductor, they're both benefiting from increase in demand for semiconductors. Yeah. Samsung are doing some really cool things. Um, that is Korean, so. Um, but Samsung are um, sort of, you know, really kicking some goals in the, the battery market for the electric vehicles industry. That's a hot space. The only thing is it's expensive, right? Really? This ETF has skyrocketed. Yep. So for investors, um, it's like one, try to look to pick it up on a bit of a dip if you can, um, but also it's, it's a diversified ETF. So a lot of investors, and, and this is not kind of advice, it's just kind of what we do, um, look at the underlying constituents and go, if you've got a diversified portfolio already, you don't need that diversif diversification effect. You know, maybe look at the individual companies that you like in those ETFs and you know, right. go away with the BlackRock you know, fees, right? <laughs> so <laughs> anyways. Yeah. So that, that is the point when you look at all-time highs. I mentioned they're pretty big PEs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a little bit disappointed in you though, Conrad. Right. Well, actually, I'm disappointed in me. I said Samsung, you said Samsung. <laughs> yeah, Samsung yeah. is correct. Yeah, it is Samsung. Samsung phone. And of course, if you're watching Ausbiz through your Samsung smart TV, <laughs> which you've been able to do since the start of the year, they've uh, and now auto that, yeah. automatically putting us on there, which yeah, is I've terrific. So yeah. welcome to Ausbiz for all the Samsung. <laughs> yeah, so both of you were saying, can I get it right, yeah, that yeah. it's a place to be, yeah. but it's really expensive it at the expensive. moment. Yeah. So do you wait for a pullback or, or do you, well, you try. just say that this is a call going forward, you just got to yeah. suck it up? I think it depends what type of investor Tammy is. And if she's looking to sort of trade the run, then you've got to have your own view on that. If you're buying for the long term, yeah. which really these companies are, yeah. my view would be you take a little bit of a nibble mm. and when it has a pullback, you have another right. nibble. But, is your but, friend, but right. it's so, um, there's so much momentum and, and yep. cheap money in the world. Mm. I don't think, you, you think you've got to be there to some point. Mm. Yep. So, gradually stage your buying into yeah, it. Okay. All right. Um, Tammy, thank you for that suggestion. Really great discussion there from the guys. Uh, next stock up is uh, Wise Tech Global, the big infrastructure business. I always love talking about this because I love quirky backstories to uh, companies. The founder of Wise Tech um, used to be a roadie with ACDC and then was promoted to be their logistics manager as they toured around the world. Oh, right. And the foundation of the wise tech sort of algorithm um, and Excel spreadsheet goes back to the good old ACDC tours. So <laughs> I, I love it. Anyhow, it's now <laughs> a big global logistics company. Mm. Um, has had its ups and downs and a lot of scrutiny on transparency and governance over the last year or so. Share price still done reasonably well 
as has its earnings. Conrad, what do you think of WiseTech? Yeah, um, so their flagship product is the Cargo Wise yep. One. Um, the logistics industry globally has been impacted quite heavily from COVID, as we know. Um, however, I think if you take a look at some of the sort of notes that they had in their announcements, um, there is increased demand um, in their sort of leading global uh, customers for digitization, right? Um, yep. So they're going to look at companies like WiseTech. So um, the revenues are fairly split evenly across Asia, Europe, Americas. Um, like I said, it's been sort of tough for them, but by June, things recovered quite well. FY20 revenue grew by 23%, EBITDA rose by 17%. And they're in this unique position where, you know, due to the fact that they've got increased demand for digitization in this industry, um, they've got a bunch of cash. They've got a lot of cash. Um, exactly, it's 224 million with no outstanding debt and 190 million of undrawn debt facility. Um, for a company like WiseTech, where um, technology is key here in this sort of shifting market, um, they can they can look, put a lot of money into innovation. They can take advantage of this as long as they're not like reject shop and sort of don't do yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, this could be quite their, good. their innovation has been through acquisition. In the yeah, process. yeah. That's so, so, so that's yeah. A, again, cash is good for acquisitions, yeah. right? So uh, we might see um, them to you know further expand through those acquisitions. We expect you know hopefully some you know, um, um, you know the the sort of evolving landscape to just sort of pressure them. Um, but that's a good thing if your clients are saying, hey, we want more digital stuff. Yeah. And you're saying, okay, let me get it for you. That's that's much better than hey, building the product and saying, can anyone buy it? So they're in a pretty unique position. I think it's uh, definitely an accumulate for us. Okay, James, it is a massive market globally. Absolutely, yep. phenomenally massive market and growing. Let's put last year as a bit of a disruption, but growing significantly um, over the long term. And they're building a presence in it. They're building it substantially by acquisitions, small acquisitions. None of them are sort of betting the company. But a lot of that's about buying customers, and yep. it makes the business increasingly complex, um, which is a, a risk. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a risk. I admire what they have achieved. Um, I don't like the fact that the founder is continually selling shares in it. It's not right. a good look, and the share price has defied that, as yep. it has with a few others. I just don't think it's a, it's a good look. And the valuation, I don't know how you value it. The growth is phenomenal, but sort of 200 times trailing earnings. I don't know how you value a company like that. Yeah. Um, so not for me. Okay. All right. Um, our fit stock, uh, David, has suggested us have a look at clean tech. Um, it's just completed a share share purchase plan, uh, raising about 13 million dollars. Will go into its water purification businesses. Um, again, there's. Um, they also have their uh, a battery division too, don't they? The Sunrise Battery Division. So water for purification one side, batteries the other. There's talk that they might split the business off, so investors have a have a cleaner business to invest in. Uh, James, what do you think of Clean Tech? David, this is a company that is the antithesis of the sort of company that I like. Right. Um, it is a company that has always lost money. They've uh, they, they've never burdened shareholders with a profit. <laughs> um, they raise capital pretty much each and every year. Um, in the last uh, decade, they've gone from 200 million shares to almost 750 million shares. Right. Cannot for the life of me work out what the investment case is for it. Yeah, okay. All right. 
That's pretty definite, James. That's a, <laughs> I'll a let you know what I think. Um, well, it's funny we mentioned complexity with Wirestech. I mean, this is a business which has a lot of complexity within as yep. well. That's what the demerger is supposed to sort of refocus for this company. Yep. Um, now, I, I, I think for us, um, it's more so a matter of what the exposure that you're actually getting. So it's a $200 million market cap. Um, now, if you want exposure into something renewables or something uh, in that green space, um, how about a company that's not so complex, like you said, not, not prop, you know, um, just always losing money. Um, there are, and so ACDC, not the band, but the ETF. Um, there's an ETF out there and it has direct exposure um, throughout these companies um, in electric vehicle battery um, producers or basket of these battery tech companies and metal producers. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we would sort of find ourselves um, very, It'd be very hard to allocate our capital into that if there's an alternative like this. Right. But if investors really want to have a look at this company, wait for the demerger, wait for the, some, some clarity on yep. where the focus is going, because right now it's just a little messy. Yep. Uh, Gotham, can we bring up that five-year chart again? Um, because, you know, if you thought James was pretty harsh, <laughs> look at that. Yeah. Now, you know, you're getting up to, what, $1.65 four years ago, you've been trending around that 30 to 40 cent mark for three year, two or three years. And mm. um, as professional investors like you two are, how can a company recover its reputation and get professionals supporting it when they have a chart like that? Is it... Demerge, uh, <laughs> make some structural changes. That's yeah. what they're, I guess, trying to do. Yeah. Um, but also, that's kind of you know, you raise a bunch of capital, and the share price gets pumped like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is your point, James? Isn't it? It's sort of a classic. Yeah. Um, what can they do? I don't know. Sit down and try and make the damn thing commercial, and right. you know, concentrate on and, and the core thing and, <coughs> if and it money works. or change management or change yep. board or. Yep. You've got to, yep. you know, you've got to do with a look at that chart. That company has got to do something big yep. to get everyone back in favour with everyone because that's horrendous. Yep. Isn't it? All right. So I, if you, I must if say, you I thought, looked at a five-year chart, yeah, but yeah. had I, I if, wouldn't have thought it would have been. That would have bad? thought it would have been worse. And actually. there's a, and oh, there's a really? lot. Well, wow. when, when you look at it, they they lost money every single year. They've raised money, right. raised capital every single year. What are shareholders buying? Yeah. Other than the opportunity to be continually diluted or put your hand in your pocket. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Let's uh, just recap our first five stocks plus our stock of the day. Stock of the day is Ampol, and uh, it is a no from both Conrad and James. Um, with Northern Star. Um, James basically doesn't like gold stocks, but if, if he had a client that said, I've got to have a gold stock, this would be it, uh, but doesn't like the sector. Uh, Conrad, um, it's a hold for, for Northern Star as well. Uh, good business. Reject shop, uh, no from both of them, just hasn't delivered. Um, the iShare Asia 50 ETF, um, Look, Asia's the place to be into the future. It's very expensive at the moment. It's a good ETF, uh, according to James and Conrad, sort of just nibble away at it. And if there's a pullback, um, then start to, to increase your holding into it if there's a pullback in price. Uh, Wisetech, a no from James, a yes from Conrad, and Cleantech, 
a no from both of them. But if you want to get in that clean, renewable um, sort of environment, um, Conrad has suggested an ETF, the ACDC ETF, which is uh, a really good suggestion. Now, here on the call, we have our own portfolio. We've been tracking since July 1, thanks to our partner, NAB Trade. Uh, all the stocks that get two thumbs up or a, uh, or a buy from both of our experts on the show, we've been putting in the portfolio. Let's check to see how it's been performing. Uh, the last week, it's up uh, one and three quarter percent for the month, uh, two and a quarter percent. And since July 1st, uh, the portfolio's up 26 percent. Taking a look at some of the stocks recently added by our panel. Um, Whitehawk, Grange Resources, BetaShares Global Banks ETF, Objective Corporation, Magellan Financial Group, Big Tin Can. Uh, some of the stocks that have, um, have been taken out uh, include Ridley Corp, Money Me, Vita and Quick Fee. Uh, you can check all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Go to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, joining us on The Pulse coming up just after one o'clock, uh, Luke uh, Larrative, uh, Seneca Financial Solutions, as he takes us through his three stock picks from the current quarterly reporting season. That's coming up straight after the call. All right, uh, let's kick off uh, the second half of the show. Lenny wants a view on uh, Conrad Data3, the information technology business. Uh, uh, their calls are infrastructure, software and services business um, and uh, done all right in the pandemic. Yeah, um, very good. Um, August, they had they announced 18% uh, revenue growth in the second half of the year. Um, again, kind of, it's a, it's a very similar thematic with some of these software businesses where um, there is that increase in demand for this digitization in their, yep. in their business model. Um, cash is good, 255 million. They're going to hopefully do some good things with that, pay out some dividends, uh, further expand. It is expensive relative, and, and the relativity comes from they're at um, 37 times PE, um, which is compared to their two year average at 30 times and their global peers at 31 <coughs> times. Mm -hmm. um, and so with the fact that you're going to, again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound very repetitive, but there's going to be a normalization and we're already seeing that in a consumer behavior. Um, also, obviously people are gonna start, you know, working from home is, is now slowly shifting back out, right? So um, well, those impacts are going to sort of put pressure on the fact that they're a little expensive relative to their, you know, to their PEs. Uh, or to their peers, sorry. Um, and so for us, it's just it's just a hold. Um, if it wasn't so expensive, we might look to sort of accumulate, but at this stage, just a hold for us. Okay, all right, James? Yeah, 100% Yeah, 100% agree with all that. It's a really well-run business. A um, little bit of a, um, it's not quite a niche, but, but they operate um, in a particular area. They do it very well. Um, return on equity has been consistently high in the sort of mid-30s, like it's over 40 at the moment. Yeah. Um, they've had earnings growth of 14-15% um, a year, um, compounding over the, a long time. Um, you mentioned their dividend, the, the um, payout ratio is about 90%. So, um, Gee, know, that's pretty yeah, good for sure. Yeah, for, you know, yeah. they haven't had to keep putting money into the business. Um, it's just expensive. I yeah. like the company, but it's just expensive. Yeah. So certainly one to buy on a pullback. Yeah, it's um, had a bit. And it has had a bit of a pullback. And and just trending sideways yeah. for a while at the moment, yeah. is it? But so you know, be it's patient. had a huge run for the last sort of eighteen months or so. Um, possibly a little bit of a nibble sort of at the moment, but I'd prefer to be buying it um, in the low fives or yeah. if you get a four yeah. handle then. See so um, if you bring, bring that 
back up again, um, uh, got him the that recent high late la, uh, in early 2020, about just under five bucks there, that 1490 area. The charters would say if it gets down to that, would that be right? And get some oh, support sorry. Yes. around. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So under yeah, five bucks. Pull back down, down to those sort of levels. Fill your yeah. boots. And and sort of it's one of those. It you're both saying it's a really well run company. So mm. pick and it up on for some weakness. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Jared James wants a view on QBE, the uh, the big insurance organisation. I notice Fitch. The big ratings agency uh, revised its outlook for QBE recently to negative over uncertainty on the profit recovery. What do you think of yeah, It's QBE? a difficult time, isn't it? Particularly with yeah. business continuity insurance. Um, flip side is some of their general insurance has got lower claims. There's less people travelling to work and travelling and that sort of thing. But um, their main business is corporate. Yeah. Um, I just think that it is a company that has had a long time, long-term disappointments. Yeah. There are many other companies in the broader financial sector you can buy. There's better companies in the insurance sector. I can't get enthused about QBE. Frankly, if you want to buy an insurer, go and buy Berkshire. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a, it's, it's basically an insurance business. Berkshire that pumps out, yeah, 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 pumps yeah. out so much uh, cash that they go and invest yeah. in other in other uh, businesses the the um, I'm not negative on QBE but I can't think of a circumstance where I'd sort of yeah. think wow I'd like to go out and buy some QBE yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and and also if you take a sector view uh, you're only going to have one or two stocks of a sector in your portfolio mm. and I suppose as you are saying there are better financials out yeah, there with look, a better outlook. I'd probably have a preference for IAG, but IAG right. hasn't been, <laughs> right. you know, hasn't had a wonderful time. And some of that, of course, is um, they've had a horrific twelve months with uh, with bushfires, bushfires and so forth. That you know, they can go, can and do increase their their premiums, and we all cop it because yep. you know we get it. But um, meh, no, Conrad. Yeah. Um, so we've been speaking about how you know there's expensive companies like the tech ones, um, and then you look at QBE and it's very cheap, really. Um, however, um, if we look at sort of what's actually happening in the insurance business, firstly, a lot of the in insurance companies are invested in fixed income. Um, fixed income in a low interest rate environment is going to do poorly. Um, secondly, you have when it comes to that recovery. So you're going, okay, well it's cheap. It's taken a massive hit from COVID. Well, surely if we move out of that, things are going to get better. That's going to be stored in the short term. They've had already 55 million bucks as an update, uh, update for their disruption claims, um, more than what they expected. Um, and if you're looking for symmetrical recovery plays, something that you're going to go, okay, well, because COVID's getting better and we're moving out of this recession, I want to get into these cheap companies. Well, look at infrastructure spend, right? right? That's going to be a big focus and so naturally the material is going to do well. So companies like OZL that have a direct exposure to things like copper, where you use a lot for building stuff, yeah. um, because that's the only reason you look at QB, uh, outside of the fact that you want some exposure into to the insurance, uh, which at the moment is not attractive, you'd go, okay, well, it's really cheap, let's look for the recovery. 
but it's just going to take a little bit longer. There's still a lot of headwinds in the way. Uh, and like I said, um, you know, there's a lot of alternatives. OZL, that's, that's our pick for that. And if, and if, you, if you want to play an economic recovery, there's yeah. so many companies that are going to be more leveraged exactly. with less risk. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So. And, and it's one of those traps, isn't it, for investors to go, oh, it's cheap. The yeah. market's forgotten about it. Sometimes there's a reason they're cheap, yeah. and a reason why they stay cheap. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, there's of a lot structural of structural issues. That's right, and there's a lot of considerations that you want to make. And I think when we say, "Hey, look, that's too expensive," it's not the only reason why we're not looking at it. Yeah. Um, it's it's just one of the considerations that you want to yeah. make as part of the big, big sure. solution. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, thank you for that, Jared. Appreciate the suggestion. Uh, Clint wants a view now on Emico. Um, it's um, basically um, uh, rental equipment to the resources sector, big trucks, all that sort of stuff. Um, 175% increase in share price over five years, um, up 41% in the last quarter after being a bit hammered for, for the rest of the year. Um, 20, sort of, as I was saying, 25% return over, over per year over five years. Conrad, what do you think? Um, it's a lighten for us. Um, so they've got the largest fleet in Australia. They, they do yep. some good things. Um, they have also diversified away from um, uh, sort of, um, you know, some of the major sort of commodities that they're exposed to, which means that they'd have less commodity risk, which is always good, yep. um, but not enough. I mean, firstly, I just want to state that they have some really resilient clients, right? Whitehaven, Saracen, which we spoke about, Evolution. Yeah. Um, so that's always good in this kind of environment. Um, they raised 149 million through an entitlement issue of 85 cents. Um, but sort of get to the you know get to the point. Um, coal is so China's effectively put Australia's coal on an unofficial blacklist. Um, we're also seeing a big shift towards you know pressuring the the government. You know, Twiggy for example with a speech not too long ago, which was great, might I add. Um, but sort of moving away from coal and implementing regulation to sort of move away from that. Um, they've got a pretty large exposure to coal mining companies. So what we'd like to see uh, is a little bit more of a diversification away from that, which they have started. Um, and if you're looking for mining services, there are other companies out there that kind of don't have, let's say, um, that sort of long-term maintenance cost issue as well. Um, NWH, MAH uh, are some names that we're sort of looking at. Um, but yeah, again, it's just, I, I would say it's, 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 that, it's that coal play that a lot of investors are just not going to find too attractive. Okay. Yeah. All right. James? I oh, 100% agree. I mentioned earlier that um, generally I don't like miners. Yeah. I prefer to buy the company that sells them the picks and shovels. Right. And the picks and shovels in this case are Tronka trucks. So yeah. Pretty damn <laughs> big right. ones. They're massive, um, aren't they? They've got about a thousand <laughs> of them and some of them are you know, yeah, yeah. bigger than my house. Yeah. Um, they are... Um, so it's, it's a business that is leveraged to the mining cycle, but as Conrad rightly points out, a lot of it is in coal, which has got a pretty uncertain future in yep. the both short and long term. It's not going to go away in the short term, but there's some risks around China. Um, yes, it's had a stunning couple of years, but really you've got to look at from where it's been. It had a number of years of being unprofitable. Yep. Um, they've turned it around and... and uh, uh, had significant increases in, in profitability in the last couple of years, which probably distorts that that five-year view, yeah. which in itself is distorted from coming from basically nothing. Yeah. Um, I would view it as being a trading stock uh, rather than mm. a, an investment stock, and I'm an investor, not a trader. Right. So it's not one that I'd look at. Okay. All right. Clint, uh, 
hopefully that helps and thanks for putting it forward. Uh, Andrew James wants a view on Select Harvest. They're the big almond producers. They grow, process, package, sell, distribute, everything to do with almonds, uh, export uh, throughout Asia, Europe, and also the Middle East as well. Yeah, and it's not just almonds. There's other types of nuts and seeds and dried fruit. Um, it's sort of, I suppose, in a way, a health food type yep. company. Um, did do really well for a long time, but they've had negative earnings growth for the last five years. Um, on average, they made 25 and a half cents a share last year against 54 the year before. And, you know, so it's been a little bit volatile and that's agriculture and that's what you get yep. with, with agriculture. You sort of got to uh, ride the cycles, don't you? You do, you do. Um, debt's crept up, margins have fallen, ROE's fallen. Uh, it's not one that I would like at the moment, but um, again, I, I like companies with a high degree of certainty of earnings because yep. the market will do what the market does um, and you're never going to be able to control it and I can't predict it. But if earnings continue to rise each year, you know, I can put my head in the pillow very happily right. um, at night and you don't get that with this sort of company. Yeah, okay. Um, and also, Conrad, it's, it is exposed to that China market too, isn't it? Yeah. And I think almonds yeah. are another industry Just that the Chinese Weevil have in said. an almond or yeah, I don't yeah. know what goes in almonds, but yeah, some yeah. you know, blacklist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so they, they, if you look at the chart, they raised, well, 120 million. So that has sort of the dilutionary effect to the share yeah. price. Uh, so that should be considered. It's funny, we spoke about reject uh, shop sort of doing nothing um, in a time like this. Now, these guys are suffering and they're still being strategically more aggressive. So they've actually right. used the 120 million of some of it um, planned to buy up orchards. Um, and so they've increased their planted area by 20%, or which will increase the area by 20%, uh, increasing production by 4,600 tons in FY21 is the expectation. Um, but, you know, very seasonal. Their earnings have been suffering quite a bit. So almonds were down 49% uh, food, 34 And so that as a result, you're down 48% on mm. earnings. Um, so for that reason alone, although they're doing some good things, they've got the cash, making some moves, um, it's, it's a business that we probably just wouldn't be so you know, excited about, yeah. um, just because, you know, again, fundamentally their earnings are suffering at the moment due to this environment too. So. Right. So do you, do you tend to have an aversion to ag anything to do with agriculture as well? Or, love or is it why, of, or do you, do you have to pick where you are in the cycle or, or go, go for an elders? which is like a agricultural ETF, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I would love to have an exposure to agriculture because right. we've got this fantastic opportunity in Australia of being the food bowl for you know, Asia and yeah. other parts of the world. Um, we've got, um, with strong biosecurity, overseas competition's yeah. not going to be a problem and in our, a lot of different sectors. And our brand, anything that's grown in Australia, yep. has a huge yep. brand yep. overseas. The volatility that is inherent in agriculture just makes it hard to find yeah. something that I really yeah. cling to. But thematically, I really like the idea yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Conrad, what well, about you? I mean, it's um, so a long way back. So my old man used to be involved in uh, a lot of agriculture and private equity specifically. And I used to sort of follow him around. We went to Laos and we had sort of this farm there and they were growing cassava plants and things like that. So through that experience, one thing I sort of realized was that Food is a limited resource that's going to be here forever. Yep. Demand is going to continue to increase as population increases. So as an overall thematic, it sounds pretty good. It's just very seasonal. 
Um, and so I think for investors, it's about, okay, well, agriculture is a good space. Um, it's, it's, you know, demand is, you know, like I said, always going to be so slowly on the rise. So as a long-term play, um, agriculture has been really sort of um, strong as, as an investment. And, right. you know, you sort of take a look at some of the conferences in Singapore and you see some of these guys with deep pockets, they're loading a lot of money into agriculture. Um, however, for investors who are looking to buy the stock, in and out, um, let's say, you know, even, you know, seafood and things like yeah, that. Castle or yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, you know, it's just that seasonal component that you just want to be aware of. And obviously the pandemic has, has been affecting that seasonality. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, it's all with agriculture. It's all about the cycles and That's right. yep, literally in the lap of the gods with the weather. I've got well. a lot of exactly. clients and friends who are, who are farmers, and they, gra- but, farmers yeah. and graziers, and they all say it's a lifestyle. It's not a business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although they're when doing well are, now. Oh, and you <laughs> don't begrudge <laughs> any of it oh, to them. No. Um, they've had such a rough time. You just hope they do really well for you yeah. know a long time. But we all know that it's not sustainable. But yeah. just to be fair to Select Harvest, well, their management is very well-versed in diversifying and mitigating that risk mm. for seasonality. Oh, good. Um, so again, buying those orchards, what they're yeah. able to, so one of the reasons they do that is because they can shift around uh, in, into the different geographical locations as well. Right. So that's, again, so just to give them the, you know. The credit. Yeah, the, the credit you. for that. So. Yeah, yeah, well said. All right, uh, our final stock uh, to have a look at um, has been suggested by Chad, and we go from sort of something that's really seasonal to something hopefully that's not seasonal although covid has hit it transurban of course the uh, the big toll road um group uh, networks um has an australian portfolio but also in the united states and canada as well uh, transurban seen as a, a defensive stock yeah it's seen that way um they're a pack of bastards how, how can you how can you how can you charge a truck more than a car, but charge a motorcycle the same as a car. Oh, How does that work? Okay. As a mo- we've got a motorcyclist talking here, exactly. so, so, so don't talk your own pocket, talk, talk our pocket as an investor. It's a fabulous business. It's a fabulous business. Um, and For a bunch of so-and-so, it's a fabulous they business. They are able to increase prices, and the only place to have to advertise it is on their website. I mean, what a great business. Yeah. Um, Yes, they are um, a little bit economically leveraged. Um, unemployment has always been perceived as one of the risks with them because there's less people um, you know, travelling to work on their toll yep. roads. Yep. I don't think too many people predicted a global pandemic and us all being forced to stay at home. But those sort of things create opportunities. And yep. um, you see that they had a you know, real big dip last year. We didn't know how long we'd be, we'd be all working from home. Um, the other issue is that they are very heavily leveraged to interest rates, um, partly because of their borrowings and partly because they're, they're effectively treated as a bond. Yep. And interest rates are, you know, five-eighths of nothing at the moment. At some point in time, the market's going to start pricing inflation and, um, and pricing a rise in interest rates. Probably won't have a rise for a while, but the market will start pricing it ahead of that. And I think a 1% change in interest rates equates to about 10% valuation in Transurban. So it's highly leveraged. That can't be right. It must be 1% interest, every 1% um, move, not 1% from a quarter of 1%. Um, uh, So at the moment, leverage to um, an increasing um, economy and goods being uh, transported in trucks, leverage to return to work and 
unemployment's very low, the economy's sort of bounced back very strongly. Um, but when that translates to interest rates and we start to inflation and therefore interest rates, then there's going to be valuation concerns. It won't mean any person travelling any less on their right. one of their toll roads, but it's got valuation implications. Okay. So um, at the moment, no. But if right. we have another, you know, you buy interest this a couple of times in the cycle, and right. I, you know, last year was a wonderful opportunity. To, to buy it, I didn't yeah. sadly, uh, but but it, it was a wonderful opportunity. But you know, when when we have the sort of next cycle of rates rising and then you know mm. expected to fall, okay. generally speaking, that's the best better time to buy it. Comrade, um, it's a hold from us. Um, so if you take a look, they they sold fifty percent of their um, stake in Washington Roads uh, to Australian Super and CPP. Uh, investments and so those two partners were pretty sort of prominent in getting their presence in Queensland set up. Um, it's a smart move because one, um, they're sort of strategically diversifying away from some areas that are underperforming due to COVID. So the 495 Express and 95 Express, Express Lane are down by 45% and 33% mm. in traffic respectively wow. um, based on pre-COVID wow. levels but they're still making 50% of the revenue. So they're still generating the revenue. So then they've taken half of that out and they're looking to reallocate that. So that's a pretty smart move. Um, they've got some catalysts uh, coming up. So um, North Connects, uh, which is one of their, um, one of their obviously um, you know, uh, projects or whatever. Um, so that primary purpose is for freight transportation. Yeah. Um, as the government wants to seek out more jobs for the economy, um, there's gonna be a lot of construction or, or infrastructure spend that's gonna mean that road is gonna be used a lot. Um, and so naturally we think it's sort of smart for them to um, put more of their allocation towards um, you know, different geographical locations which are not getting too heavily hit. Um, but still, again, generate those revenues. Um, yeah, so you know, for us it's a whole, they, they're, they're gonna, so with that sale, they're gonna make 2.8 billion that's hopefully gonna be materialized um, by the end of FY21. So they'll have some cash mm. and so they can do okay. some cool things with it. All yeah. right. Interesting uh, business though, and mm. um, a lot of people see it almost as a utility, don't they? That yeah. core part of your, any portfolio. All right, uh, let's recap the, the final five stocks. Data three, um, a hold from both James and Conrad, really expensive at the moment. If there's a pullback, it's a good business, good payout to shareholders, looks after shareholders, so any sort of pullback, look at it. Uh, QB, a, a no from both. Um, Emico, a no from both. Conrad prefers NWH in terms of um, that um, mining services uh, sector. Uh, Select Harvest, uh, a no from both. And uh, for Transurban, a no from James and a hold from Conrad. Um, gents, really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Uh, James Rosenberg from Bayviews and also Conrad Song. Conrad, good to see you from Macro. Appreciate your time. Uh, that's our show for today. Any st stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiztv handle. And a reminder, you can look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. That's it for the call. A lot more happening on Osbiz this afternoon. We'll be back after a short break.